notes. All right. Well, personal assistance, jokes, misunderstandings aside, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> um, I We are here for episode 56. 56. I'm Naomi. I'm Liz. We're the Ren Galloway Girls. And we're so excited that you're here and you're joining us for... 56 episodes yeah. of our podcast, or if, if you're, is, or your first. Your first joining us, like, go back and listen, or don't. We may have sucked. I don't know. I mean, I like <laughs> our episodes, but what does that say when you actually like the content you produce? Yeah. Oh, that's... Like, is that that you, like, have an inflated sense of self? Is that that you... I don't know. No. Is it good confidence? I, I, I don't think, know. I mean, it could be, but I think it's, like, we have pride in it, and that's... That's really good yeah. thing to have. Like, just have pride in our work, and like, um, yeah. So we're proud of this little, in this little endeavor we're doing. It. We have. We there are no. Um, we don't make money off of it. We don't. I mean, hopefully someday anything. we'll be We'd able like to. <laughs> we'll be able to Get do some, something where it at least sustains itself, right? Because you know, coffee is expensive. We were talking about that this morning, <laughs> right? But and it's it's necessary for the pod. So. Super necessary. Uh, we've had a, a little bit of mic trouble, so hopefully we won't have our sound going in and out and in and out and in and out on the podcast this week. Yeah. but we'll see. <laughs> and if it um, does, and if you're listening to on on Iran, you know, then just imagine one of us is behind you, the other's next to you. Yeah, and, and you know what? You <laughs> can also just send us a hundred dollar Amazon gift card to get a new microphone. <laughs> that would also help us. That would help. <laughs> um, but until I think we're good. Like I'm looking at the sound waves, I think we're pretty good. So awesome. We'll see. Yeah. Um, so we have a great episode for you. So we were joking in the pre-show about my assistant. Yeah. Um, I got this great assistant at work. Yeah. It's called ChatGPT4. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've been using ChatGPT. I pay $20 a month for it. And I've been using it to write content um, because we have a blog at work. And just, like, write content that then we can go back and edit and put a little bit of our own voice and our own spin on it. And I got to tell you, the content right from ChatGPT4 is incredible. Yeah. It's so good that oftentimes we're not adding much. We're maybe adding a little forward or adding a little postscript. Just tweaking it very slightly. Very slightly. It's fantastic. And it's allowed us to, without spending money. Right. On an employee or a PR person. person, It's allowed us to generate more content, which it's not that we need... SEO for like to improve our blog. Um, and it's not that we need that for people to attend the center, but we're hoping that that will then help us when it comes to fundraising and advocacy in early childhood education. We right. need massive federal funding in order for the industry to survive. Anyway, it's very cool. So we actually use ChatGPT to help us today with this episode, too. Um, and it's kind of cool. We're, we're excited. And, and last week, I actually got feedback. So my mom who's a, a listener. Yeah. Hi, Mom. She listens to us every week, and she was like, I really liked this episode about streaking, which, you know, she doesn't run streak, or it's, like, not yeah. a thing that she would probably necessarily do, but, like, she really liked the way it was laid out, and I was like, yeah, we had a little help. <laughs> a little <laughs> AI awesome. help. That's and she's incredible. like, oh, that's cool. I was yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, we're ha- kind of helping us use it to, to develop our outline. It, so. helps us, it helps us stay organized, and yeah. it's not that we wouldn't want to put a ton of time into creating these outlines ourselves, but, like, 
near me is an accountant and it's freaking tax season. Yeah. And, um, and you've you run know, a busy daycare center. Like we yeah, don't I have mean, time. I've replaced. So I, I took on my job in 2020. Um, and I was already working there a full-time job and I took on somebody was let go and I took on that job and I never replaced myself. Yeah. So I've been doing two full-time jobs <laughs> and I'm not going to, because that was actually part of it is like, it was unnecessary if like you just, people just have to be okay working hard in life. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I have a different tolerance for how much work is too much work. No, like, I, I don't know. And I don't know. We talk about this a lot at work too. Like, is it, it's not necessarily generational, but there's like certain people who have this work ethic. I, I'm the same way. And, you know, I found, obviously, like, early on, you'll find, like, if you're good at your job, then they'll give you more work. Yeah. And, of course, now I'm doing that to my own people because I'm I'm guilty of it. I'm like, oh, you're really good at this. Let me throw some more tasks at you. So my favorite thing (laughs) ever, my favorite statement ever, and I actually take it as a compliment, is, like, give the hardest job to the laziest person, and they're going to find the easiest way to do it. And I've always thought of myself as the laziest person because I'm like, I'm, and it's not lazy. It's efficient. Yes. Right? I I don't want to do work that is unnecessary. Right. So I'm going to take, like, if you give me a job that somebody else that was taking them a day to do, I'm going to take a day to figure out how to make that job take 10 minutes. Right. Um, like, okay, one of the jobs that, you know, I have to do is I have to put in all of our all of our um, retirement and retirement matching from each paycheck. Yeah. And the same. woman trained me. Right. And she's like, okay, so you open up this report and then you go to each person and you put the amounts in this thing. And I was like, really? So I'm like poking around on the website and it's like, download this spreadsheet. Right. I was like, oh. And then I go to our, I think, I was like, pull this report. Oh, this column is this and this column and you is match this. Them up. Exactly. I, yeah. It's literally just copy paste. And what I did is in the template, I changed the names from the template names to what they are on my report. Nice. So it's even easier. I mean, I. I'm sure I could probably paste the other page in, like paste the pulled page and have Excel macros like do all the work for me. But I'm like, that was superfluous and not necessary because I can copy and paste four columns. It's right, not it doesn't a big take deal. that long. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, and there's some things like you can't um, make more efficient, but yeah, I, I agree. Like, it's uh, that's how I work. I, I work smarter, not harder but like yeah I was thinking about it because I'd like to use chat GPT to help us develop some blogs but I'm like you know the problem is I've had clients come to me with like hey I got this from you know AI Google told me I could do XYZ and I'm like that's incorrect so like the problem is that when you're looking at tax laws and stuff you can get bad information so I don't want it to you just make it really general so okay. the way you do the way you do this okay you tell chat GPT who your customer is you tell them everything that you want so I tell chat GPT I say my parents are parents in general who practice gentle parenting, who are uh, largely liberals, who have children from this age to this age. We, um, I want a blog that include that says these things, includes these things, and I need references from the American Academy of Pediatrics. There you go. And it will mm-hmm. and give me three books from Amazon that I like nice. that are age appropriate. So then I can link in to like sell those books as well through our Amazon affiliates oh, cool. account. So you give it very specific instructions and it will st- it will stick to reputable site- sites essentially. Yeah. And then you proofread it and and the proofreading 
So even if it pulled something wrong, you could be like, wait, let me check that really quick. Oh, that's right. wrong. You just, like, that's where you fix it. Right, but the fact-checking would take a long... It did take a while to, like, go and fact-check something that, like, someone had been trying to tell us they could use 529 funds for, for example. And, like, I ha- it took a while to go fact-check because I had to go look at the code, the IRS, you know, or, or like, I have to go look at yeah. the tax code, and that takes a lot longer to read. But yeah. But I yeah, mean, I think I, it could I help generate outlines. Can, I think you can then ask ChatGPT, take a look at the IRS task, tax code on this site and tell me if this is right. possible. Right. Like, it's it's very smart. Yeah. It's weirdly smart. So yeah. GPT-4, which is the one you have to pay for, 3.5 is not as good, but it's still awesome. Like, I public, before I realized how much better 4 was, I did, like, three blog posts with uh, GPT-3.5, and it was great. Yeah. Yeah. And it could be, like, I don't know what, resor- what source they were using, yeah. but, you know, that's my fears. Like, I have to be careful with the information I'm giving out. Well, but I, I think mean, it would help us develop some there was, outlines and stuff like that. There was a... Well, and just keep it very general. Just right. keep it like, if you have more detailed questions on this, please reach out. Exactly. Um, it's funny, during the um, like the PPP and, ER and employee retention tax credit and all this stuff, there was a lot of information on accountant sites that I'm like, that's wrong. That's been updated. Yeah. That's wrong. Because yeah. I was sitting there reading the house bills and reading right. the IRS website, and I'm like, these guys have this wrong. This right. is not how you do this. Right, because they had early information. They were, Yeah. The blogs can be helpful, no. but you have to update them. So. so, but anyway, we have this great new assistant, so <laughs> we hope that you like this episode. So we're going to dive into something that we kind of teased about last week, which is um, Stacey Sims talking about how women don't really need Zone 2 training as much as men do, and can, can the Galloway Method, or did the Galloway Method, hack this, like, ability for women to kind of run a lot in zone two without um, like the negatives of it. So, um, so kind of what we were talking about is um, Stacy Sims has said that women need more high intensity. They shouldn't be hanging out, hanging out in zone two all the time. They should increase, they should do a lot of heavy lifting, which is, we would agree with all of those things, but can you still be because zone two is such a oh. pleasurable place. Yeah, to we should be. back it up. So what is? Oh, yeah. yeah, we should talk about what zone two is or what the zones are. Okay, yeah, so we've right, done that so a that couple of times. We but have, yeah, let's do it. But just so that, like, you know, I'd be jumping in. So there, you know, we're talking about a five zone model. I assume a, a with heart our, rate zone model. Mm-hmm. So you've got five zones. You've got like your zones. Well, you actually have zone zero. Too. Right. So you have zone zero, which is just everyday life. You have zone one, Resting which would be like basically. an easy walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have zone two, which is like. You're moving, you're out there, but your heart rate, you're talking full sentences. You right. could do it all day. You feel like you could just go for hours and hours. Yep. You've got zone three, which is your aerobic zone. You're talking, but you're breathing a little bit, but you could still do it for three hours. Right. And then you've got zone four, which is about your one hour max. Mm-hmm. And then you have your zone so five, your which is about 15 minutes. And that's... Five to 15 minutes. Right. That's, that's like all Max out. heart rate. Um, and... So, basically, zone two has been touted in, like, fitness as, oh, like, zone two is going to improve your aerobic capacity. So, Mm -hmm. zone two is going to improve your three. It's going to improve your four. It's going to improve your five. So, zone two, zone two, zone two. Because what it does is it helps your body learn how to lactate shuffle, 
it, it, shuttle. It recruits um, uh, mitochondria. Type, yeah, so you're t- changing type uh, two fibers. Well, yeah, you're cha- taking your so there's type two and type one fibers. Type one fibers are your slow switch. Um, fat burning, and yeah, then type so two are your are your sprint sprinter muscles, right? So your zone two training, it really is your low intensity endurance training, and basically what Stacy sends, who's an incredible scientist, and we think she's incredible, she's amazing, but she's she suggests that women may not need to focus on it as much as men do. But I think that that message gets a little lost, and that's where we're mm-hmm. here to kind of like point out exactly how sure you might like as women we might not need to focus on it but it we also don't need to eliminate it eliminate it and we also we can in general a zone two one can or zone two run not one (laughs) a zone two run can actually incorporate all of these things that will make you a better runner that Stacey Sims right. is talking about because of the Galloway method. So right. can the Galloway method just hack zone two and unlock more benefits for women? So in a run that is in general zone two and hint, hint, we are kind of talking about a previous episode where can you get faster by running for only three minutes? Yeah. So, and we talked a lot about the benefits of strides and sprint work there. So why why are women and men different? Why is this such a big thing? Right. Well, hormonal differences. Women have a completely different hormone profile, and that hormone profile actually changes not just through our lives, but through our month, through the month. We have different levels of hormones. Now, it's been largely debunked that you f- can say for every woman, like, during your follicular phase, you should be doing this, and during your ovulatory phase, you should do that, and during your luteal phase, you should feel like this, because every woman is slightly different. I will tell you, for me, my best running happens at the very, like, actually at the very beginning of my cycle, which is period day one, right? Mm-hmm. Your hormones are at your lowest. Um, and my very best running happens when my hormones are at the lowest, which is at the very beginning of the follicular phase of my cycle. Right. Um, that is when I just feel the best. Progesterone is my enemy when it comes to my heart rate, my breathing, and just how I feel. And progesterone is high in your luteal phase, which is post-ovulation. So that's just a little like, but that's just that's me. me. Right. That's you because, yeah, you might feel, some people might have other symptoms that cause them to feel worse during right. their period or reasons why, you know, it doesn't. Some women feel amazing, like, midway through their cycle, which is, like, when they're ovulating. Some women feel amazing then. Um, So hormones have a huge impact. And um, it says here that estrogen actually allows women to readily burn more fat Mm -hmm. for fuel at higher intensities compared to men. So that's also – and women do have higher estrogen at all times in their cycle versus men. Um, We just have different peaks. So you actually have – two estrogen peaks in your cycle. The first one is as your hormones rise in your follicular phase, your estrogen starts to rise with a hormone called um, FSH. Then uh, FSH begins to drop as your luteinizing hormone rises, estrogen then rises again, then you ovulate everything drops again. (laughs) Those hormones drop and progesterone begins to rise right as your luteinizing hormone peaks, progesterone begins to rise along with estrogen. So (laughs) I can go over all of that in another day. But I could tell you about the menstrual cycle. 
from here to Sunday. <laughs> yeah. But in either case, women, like you said, have more estrogen, mm-hmm. obviously at baseline. And so women's bodies are more more are more capable and better at burning fat as a fuel source. Right. And so this means that women can train higher at slightly higher intensities while still reaping the benefits of what we what would be considered zone two. So what do those slightly higher intensities mean? They mean the bottom of your zone three. It's not that much higher. So we still are, We st- women should not be doing these long runs in their gray zone or doing a lot of right. runs in their gray zone. You still need slightly, you still need polarized training, polarized training. You still need intentional training because I'm not, a, I'm not really sure it's even polarized. <laughs> well, I think also like Stacey Sims says in her article that, um, you know, one of the risks is that people think they're doing zone two and they're actually doing Zone three. They're actually, it's, it's yeah. gray zone. It's the yeah. risk of gray zone again of like, they're right. not truly um, in that, in that you know, lower zone. Um, right. So, um, so that's where like kind of really finding where that zone two is and then realizing like where your higher intensity, your much higher intensity is with right. strides. That's what we're talking about, how you can hack it. So women are also better at fat utilization recovery and adaptation and these are all these are all from years and years and years genetically we're programmed to birth babies we're programmed to endure um, our muscle fiber right. composition which this was well, really, an embryonic female yeah. embryos are are more um what's the word like more hardy and less you're fragile ready for, you're ready for something crazy yeah so all embryos develop female until Seven weeks yes, of gestation. I know that. <laughs> Seven weeks. There's one gene on the Y chromosome. It's called the SRY gene, and that their job is to release a hormone that says make testicles. Yep. And other than that, up until seven, seven, eight weeks, all yeah. embryos are exactly the Which same. So if you have a defect on your Y chromosome, a male has a defect on their Y chromosome, they will be born a female with ovaries that work. Wow, that's pretty. That's crazy. It, they're they're going to present a little more like uh, a woman with Turner syndrome, which is um, the one one copy of the X chromosome. So they are going to have some things, but like Turner syndrome yeah. is a relatively like I hate to like blanket statement this, but it's a relatively like low risk genetic right defect, like livable. Like, yeah, very very survivable. There's lots of interventions that can happen. Um, in general, like IQ is relatively, you know, on the bell curve of typical, like, so anyway, yeah. very cool. That's why men have nipples whenever, <laughs> you know, why do men have nipples? It's, it's because they started the same. Yeah. So. Oh, I didn't, I didn't even think about yep. the nipples. Mm-hmm. And then if, you know, if you want to go even more detailed, so a clitoris is a tiny penis. Oh, a hundred percent. So yeah. that's, it's what, exactly what happens. So at seven weeks, it's like, you know, it either is going to grow <laughs> Bigger or not grow a whole lot bigger. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, that yeah. that definitely makes sense. So <laughs> muscle fiber. So back to this. So we're also talking about, like, women have a different muscle fiber composition, right. which this is really interesting. In general, we have more. Type 1. Of the type 1 muscle fiber. So even if maybe you got your 23 and me back, like Naomi and I did, yeah. that said that we are more type 2, we're more, like, power athletes, we still would have more type 1 muscle fibers. Than, than an equivalent man. Than an equivalent man, yeah, which is very cool. Yeah, and that's goes, like, that's been shown in, um, repeatedly, when you look at, like, ultra runners, women typically 
basically dominate that field. If you, I mean, there's obviously male ultra runners who are dominating their own side of the sport, but women actually can fare as well or better. Women can beat out the men essentially in the, you know yeah, when you're looking at the race 24 longer, hour races. Make the race longer, and eventually a woman a woman will win. Like right. at some point. Um, and then interesting, like this also says cardiovascular differences that women generally have smaller hearts and lower hemoglobin me- levels compared to men. This doesn't. This is generally. This doesn't have to be true. You can work on these things. You know, you can make sure that you're optimized for your body as far as your hemoglobin levels. Um, are concerned, um, you know, so, but these are physiological differences that different training can, def- can affect. So, I mean, basically this is saying men and women shouldn't be doing the exact same training, right. which would make sense. But I also wouldn't say that they should be doing that different of training because, you know, as, as Title IX has kind of shown us, like, and and just everything. Like, women yeah. don't need to be separate right. from the men. A lot of, like, the best distance runners in the world have male training partners. They they work together, right. you know. Um, because, I mean, with this, women can probably, on the long runs, kind of, like, kick butt and then and push the men. And then the men can help push on those sprint days, you know, that sort of thing. So... I mean, I, w- I wouldn't say that it needs to be completely separate, although we don't do training with many men. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, and then lactate threshold. Women um, might have a slightly different lactate response compared to men, influencing how you respond differently to different training zones. Basically, we might already be better at lactate shuffling because we have more type 1 muscle fibers because of our... Uh, because of just wanting to or genetically survive. Right. Um, But how different should this be? Like, how different should our runs be? I still, I mean, and this is personal belief, I still think that the majority, 80% of your running should be easy. That should be zone, zone one, zone two. 20% 20% should be targeted for your race di- race distance, and that's going to include strides. That's going to include this high intensity. That's going to include tempo work uh, for your race distance for a marathon. That might be marathon pace miles. That might even be some 5K-paced stuff. For a 5K, it's going to be 400 meters. It's going to be one-mile pace um, strides, though. But... I mean, I think the the long story long of this is that run walk, which is what this podcast is about, is really a way to kind of overcome all of these things that you hear in the news about like women shouldn't do this, women should do that. Here's the best training for women, and that you know, run walk really takes all of that and it kind of comes by it naturally. It comes by what you should be doing naturally. Well, what's interesting though too is like that um, we will have to incorporate and we're starting to now is is lifting. But really yes. what Stacey Sims looks at is heavy lifting, um, especially as women head into perimenopause and beyond. So, so again, these differences that are there at the cellular level, they're going to affect, you know, especially affect women as they age. And so women who are hitting perimenopause um, you know, they may be noticing plateaus in their training and that's where she's like, okay, that's, this is where you need to step back. And it's no more of this, like every day going out for 45 minutes Don't plus be a cardio of zone junkie. two. Don't be a right. cardio junkie. And, and I would say like, like Galloway, like Jeff is never saying to anybody, 
go out and do low aerobic all the, time, all the time or go run all the time. Like he's very, he's very much a big believer in cross training and, yes. you know, not just being a run junkie. <laughs> right. I mean, I, although I do, I feel with our streak, I do feel a little bit like a run junkie. <laughs> oh, we totally are right now. But you know, it's, it's um, like, we only have, we were, today's day 11. So we only have. I know, have, which like, is amazing. It'll we're be over before we over know it. We're a third of the way through, <laughs> which is really incredible. I, I was actually thinking about it. I was like, I was like, I can handle what we're doing. I need to add some more strength. Right. Um, this week I did 20 minutes last week. I need to That's hit good. an hour and 20 minutes this week to yeah. stay on pace for, um, for the badge for my badge this well, month which and we'll is just, a goal we'll just need to start adding you know maybe not when we're streaking too but like adding heavier lifting adding yeah. lifting and Stacey Sims talks about doing lifting for 20-30 minutes and then going and doing like 10 sprints she's not talking about going and running for an yeah. hour at the end of that or the beginning of that she's talking about running for a very short duration to get the benefits to move your training along. It doesn't mean that you stop doing your long runs if you're training for a marathon. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's episode 21, by the way. Oh. I went back and pulled it so we could, yeah. So episode so. 21 is actually of our, is enjoying the process, improving um, improving speed in just three minutes, and the importance of salt. Yeah, so go back and listen to that so, one. Yeah. So if you want to hear our tips on how to actually improve with very short amount of running. Yeah, so that's that's what... Stacy is talking about when, you know, getting those, getting that in. And I think, I think as we touched on in that episode, episode 21, we touched on the fact that people get lost, that run walk is an easy way to run. So they run easy all the time. You're, you're slogging, you're just shuffling, you're just getting out there, you're just checking the box. And while that's okay during a base building cycle, like in order to have improvements, you do have to work hard sometimes. And not even <laughs> just improvements, but maintaining as we age. So again, we're going to see these like natural And, and we're talking about that year over year. Yeah. So, so it's okay to take six months where you're running slow and, and easy. And then you've got to add some, some, you know, quick stuff in. But I think naturally, hopefully naturally, you'll do that anyway. I actually really think every spring when, you know, things start to get pretty, um, even though I fall every time I do it, I think <laughs> having run. fun and going and running some trails Playing in the woods is great. What's yeah. fun about trail running is that it's just a different beast. You're like jumping. You're like using different muscles. You're yeah. It's just yeah. play. So that actually is a good segue to talk about hit training or oh, yeah. like and like those boot camps and both and uh, Steve talking, Magnus and Stacey Sims talked about and we're talking about all of this because it's the new year and everybody's talking about what do you do like everybody's jumping into something yeah. brand new everybody's like it's time to exercise it's time to and like you know it's also what I'm hearing yeah. like women our age you know what I mean like yeah. our, our friend circles who are in their early 40s mid 40s late 40s they're talking about they go to these boot camp classes they go to this that the other yeah and what Stacey well, Sims is saying. Well, a lot of times they've swapped runs that for, they used to do mm-hmm. because they're starting to become more injury prone. And what we're saying is you don't need to swap these runs. You exactly. just need to add in some targeted strength and some intentional training. Right. And it's going to be targeted. And that's what's different with you go to these boot camps and these hit type classes. Sometimes they're not actually intense enough. And they're so they're not going to provide the benefits you want. 
where it where so it should be more like, doing like that's power like lifting. Stacy Stacy is saying they're not intense enough. Yeah. And Steve Dr. Magnus St- Dr. Sims, yeah. And, and Steve yeah. Magnus is saying if you're just starting out, they're too intense. <laughs> right. So, right. You shouldn't jump to them they're from zero of, to they're kind of that is oh my gosh, that's exactly what I've been trying to put into words for years and years and years when every athlete tells me, well I've added orange theory. I'm like, oh I no, I have zero problem with orange theory. I think if you are if orange theory is how you get your fitness in, Great. that's amazing. Yeah. But if you are a runner training for a marathon, orange theory is the raw it is gray zone running. Yeah. It is being right in that crazy like mid zone. You're opening yourself up for injuries. I tr- truly think that you should be doing more like Olympic style lifts. Yeah. So big heavy lifts. A lot of single leg work with lighter weights, right? You know, for muscle, for running specific, for things, stability, and you know, yeah. and then doing a great running training plan. Mm-hmm. Like that's really, it's almost like prehab, running rehab, prehab stuff. A little bit of super heavy, and then yep. a targeted running plan. Yeah, and that's what um, Stacey Sims is saying about women in, especially women in perimenopause and and yeah. menopause. So that's it. Definitely, I agree. Like it affects. Any age, but should we define perimenopause? Have we defined that before? I don't know if we have. We should have like an episode so, on that eventually on we menopause. D- and we definitely should yeah. because I love to deep dive into hormones. So perimenopause is the ten years leading up to menopause. Menopause is defined as the absence of a menstrual cycle for one calendar year. Mm-hmm. So the average age of menopause in the United States is fifty-one and a half. So if you are forty-one. You are in perimenopause. Yeah. And it could be earlier, could be later, obviously. But, but, but it's the, it's on the average. 10 years. Mm-hmm. It is the 10 years leading up to menopause. Right. So if the average age and you're an at like, right? So you could have, like, you could end up going through menopause at 48. So actually you started at 38. Exactly. You could end up going through menopause at 55. So maybe you aren't in perimenopause until you're 45. Right. But a lot of people don't realize that they're in perimenopause because until, it's the 10 years leading up until they start to have yeah. symptoms. You generally don't start to have symptoms of perimenopause until about six years before you're going to go through the full. So about four years into your tenure. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's good information because I think, yeah, especially if you are having symptoms already, then yeah, it probably means your window is closer yeah. than you think. And if you're not yet and you're in your early 40s, then but yeah, it can maybe you have 10 more years. Come back, it can also come on really quickly. Like, right. So I'm in all these like 40 plus IVF groups, you know, mm-hmm. all these women like me who are trying to get their golden egg, who are, you know, going through this as the last effort to have a genetic child and you know, they're, I mean, I hate to say it, we're all in denial about our own biology. Like, right. it's, it is so difficult. But you're very aware of it, obviously, like that your, <laughs> your window <laughs> is closing and that's it's where closing, it's, but you're I heightened think, about it. I think, I think, but we're trying all to push kind back. Of, I think we're all kind of taught, though, that we're fertile until we go through menopause. Right, right. And, you know, it's just, unfortunately, it's just not the case. Like, right. one, okay, so in a laboratory setting, between, like, between the ages of 38 and 41 in a laboratory setting, one in every four embryos that develop will be genetically normal, okay? In order to get four embryos to develop, you need like 40 eggs or thir- or 28 eggs, something like that. It's some like... It's Huge so number. You, so the fact that like, yes, 40-year-olds do get pregnant, 42-year-olds get pregnant... And they have live births, but 
it's like such a low percentage of it's such a low probability it's like literally a miracle (laughs) and I'm not like a religious person so like to call something like human reproduction is so inefficient because even like the best 28 year olds like with the perfect with perfect fertility only has a 20% chance of getting pregnant each cycle which is like absolutely mind-blowing that like you know even and Okay, even at 28, 20% of her eggs are aneuploid, are bad. My baby girl in my belly has the most eggs she's ever going to have right now. In her life. In her, she has over a million (laughs) eggs right now. And it's funny, so I'm going to just harp on this. This is like my big thing. If you are under the age of 35 and you... Uh, don't have plans for having children yet, I really, really, really encourage you to go ahead and freeze some eggs. Mm-hmm. You want to free- do two to three egg freezing cycles. You want to get 30 to 40 eggs in the bank, which is more than a doctor will tell you to do. And the reason why I'm saying that is then you can put it off in perpetuity and you can probably have two or three kids. If you follow what a doctor says and do- get about 20 eggs, you have an 80% chance of one child. Just in case you put it off till past forty, you just want to you hedge your bets. Really want an insurance policy? You want like double what the doctors say, Um, and yeah, it's going to cost money. But think like use whatever bonus that you get. I mean, but it'll be way more expensive. It'll be way more expensive when you're older. And you're yeah. And then if you are over thirty five and you don't have kids yet, and you're like, I kind of want them. Like, consider becoming a single mother by choice. Consider making embryos with donor sperm because you're just, it's, like, just way worse. Like, eggs just don't aren't as resilient as embryos. So just, like, start thinking about those things. Uh, I would still say up to age 38, freeze some eggs. Um, but, yeah, make embryos with donor sperm. You're, whoever your new partner is. Eventually, you know, you'll you can have one that's your your genetics and a donor, and then one that's a donor and his genetics. <laughs> there you go. Um, but I'm just like we're actually already planning when at when um our baby I almost said her name. <laughs> I think you may have said it. Oh, okay, before, I've already said it. Okay, good. So. Uh, we're not typing it on Facebook anyway. Um, we're saving to when she graduates high school to uh, have her freeze her eggs. Oh, that's really yeah. smart. Well, this is not a fertility podcast, but it is really, it is really, talk about it all the well, time. it is really important for, yeah, if you're, you know, a, a type A woman out there, like we well, just, are and we're, I mean, like, just to be thinking about these things. Fertility you know, is declining too with every generation. Right. I mean, and men out there, my, like, if you're younger and you're not sure, like, go ahead and freeze sperm. Right. Sperm is better young too. Yeah. And we don't know the reasons why. Like, there's a lot, you know, speculation, but also young people are getting married later and later too. So, on top yeah. of it being like declining biologically, and people waiting. People are waiting. Yeah. It's really fascinating yeah. to see. Just like I was saying, I've hired a bunch of new employees, and I've got lots of people in their 20s and 30s now, which is weird because I'm super old now. But <laughs> How funny is that? You know, like, we, it's so funny. I mean, I don't feel old okay, at all. Okay, let me make you feel old. So one of my new hires, I was entering him into our software yesterday, right? He's born in 1999, so I pulled up the top Billboard hits for 1999. Mm-hmm. Genie in a Bottle. Yeah. Um, I want it that way. Yeah, And I'm just I like, wait, it. he will never, Scrubs? No scripts. I was like, oh. he'll never like remember those songs because he was born that year. Like he he's heard yeah, them. That's really sad. But well, it's strange, right? Don't worry. The kids at my center they get a musical education. That's right. They know all those songs. <laughs> They'll get their. Um, so as we're talking about like 
like what kind of training to do, what kind of training you don't need to do, you know, how Galloway is, the Galloway method is just the best. Um, Obviously, if you're here, you believe so. Yeah. Or you're (laughs) learning about it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) We did have somebody reach out and ask where they can learn a little bit more about the Galloway method. And Mm -hmm. the best resource other than us is Jeff Galloway's website, jeffgalloway.com, and his books. His books are all incredible. My favorites are the 5K, 10K running. Um, women's running, and then the marathon, you can do it. Those are, and mm-hmm. Boston, the Boston, Boston how to qualify. How to qualify. Those are all great books, even if you're not going for a Boston qualifying time, right. but you're going for any time goal in a marathon, the Boston How to Qualify book is a really fantastic, like, intermediate level marathon, mm-hmm. like, training plan, because it has plans from five hours up. Right. It has all the, it has each um, time goals, like kind of the tables and what you need to run, what paces you need for each time goal. So it's great for if you're like looking for a four hour, a 4.30, whatever you're, if you have a time goal and it's not necessarily Boston. And then um, Jeff Galloway also has an app that's really great that that, that has additional coaching. Yeah, the JG app, I believe it's called. Um, So those are great. Those are really, really great resources other than us. But honestly, Jeff Galloway's blogs on his website are really great as mm-hmm. well. So yeah. definitely a place to look. And so we're in the new year. We're talking about resolutions-ish. We're talking about streaking, what, streaking what kind of training to do. Let's talk about my favorite thing, which is 10,000 steps. <laughs> and it, how important is 10,000 steps? Is it important at all? Where did it come from, Where first of all? Where did it come all? from? So the New York Times helped us out. Um, and this is actually from August 2023, but they just reshared it. And mm-hmm. I think we reposted it in our stories. Yeah. Basically, the 10,000 steps came from... Uh, a Japan 10,000 step a meter thing. Was it Japan or China? No, it was Japan. Okay. I remember remember, it being a pedometer thing. Yeah, it was like a pedometer. Oh, this isn't even the 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 article article that they shared. But anyway, basically what, what we're finding out is depending on where you are right now, getting your steps up to only 4,000 steps a day is going to give you massive health benefits. The health benefits kind of peak they don't taper off and they don't decrease after this, but they do reach their, what is it called? The maximum, what's like, it's like maximum benefits right. with the or, least amount, it, diminishing returns. So right. you get diminishing returns after only 7,500 steps, which is amazing, which makes me so happy that my step goal is actually 8,000 yeah, on my same. watch. I was like, woohoo, 8,000 is enough. Yeah. And I've toggled between putting it at like somewhere, bet- well, with my planter, I put it down to like 6,000 and then there's times I've put it at 8,000 instead of that 10 because it's more achievable and so um you know what's maybe maybe it's the first one even though it says no it's 2021 i know but it might be the same article the same research but so yeah basically i think this is is what they reset more attainable obviously to look towards getting at least four thousand a day but not necessarily worrying about getting more than eight thousand like that's the benefits um The benefits do kind of take, now I would say, and this is something I felt personally, when you start to get over like 18 and 19,000 steps, you are going to open yourself up to risk of injury the same way that you would with additional training. So you do have to be careful. And that's about 10 miles when you're going, when you're going above (laughs) these, like when you're going for like huge step numbers, you've got to make sure that you're doing it slow and methodically so you don't get injured because, um, 
you know, we went for an eight mile run and then Naomi was all up on her feet and got 20,000 steps. 25,000. 25,000 steps. Saturday? And had a little planter flare. Yeah. And then, you know, I've had the same sort of things happen where my legs feel like, like really achy and buzzy at night, especially my lower legs are just my weak. They're my weak link and my chain are my like shins and calves. Yeah. And now mine are now that I've moved to more of a four foot running. Yeah. So, so th- like, so it was an arbitrary ha- number though. It was it, from yeah. the 1964 Tokyo Olympics, uh, clockmaker trying to capitalize on interest in fitness, developed this 10,000 yeah. steps meter. So 10,000 steps became, it just are like in our subconscious that that's, or in our conscious that that's what you have yeah. to hit. And it's really arbitrary. But I still think it's a great goal. I think runners, I think if you're already yeah. doing a running training plan, 10,000 steps is a great goal for your non-running days. Um, I I would definitely say, definitely as a runner, set your watch at least to 7,500. But as a runner, get rid of the Garmin auto oh, step yeah. thing because mm-hmm. that is just going to put it up so high and it's going to be so hard to hit your step goals every right. day. So manually is- set it because, yeah, when it auto changes, like you'll have days where it says 13,000 and that's a rest day and you need to take rest days seriously. They're important. Yeah, yeah. And so actually, should we talk about a rest? Should we yeah. talk about rest days? Sure. So rest days, um, they're really, really, really important. And I feel like so many people think, oh, well, it's a non-running day, but I'm going to do my strength training today. Right. I'm going to do the, like a long bike ride. I'm going to go for a five-mile walk. That's not a rest day. A rest day is a day where your body gets to recover. So, And rest is as important in training as your workouts. So you've got to make sure that you really, really focus on rest. Now, you need one to two full rest days per week. And a week is arbitrary, so it could really be one to two per 10 days. Yeah. And they should be really restful and really recharge your body. They should be the day that you're getting your whatever you set as your floor for your steps or sometimes lower. Like, yeah, there's if nothing you're not wrong a with crazy, that. If you're not a crazy person like I am trying to hit their step goal every day, uh, that's why I set mine at 8,000. If you're not a crazy person, like, go ahead and lay on the couch all day. It's yeah. great for you. You can have 3,000 steps. Take to the bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think you hear a lot of, like, people out there talking about, you know, and probably, like, higher-level athletes and whatnot, they're taking a rest day every 10 days, every mm-hmm. two weeks. I feel like for most of us, that's that's not— With full-time jobs. With full-time jobs. Need one when an athlete day. is not your full-time job. Yeah. We need more than that. And so, like, yeah, I agree. One to two a week is is much more, you know, it is probably much more essential because we do need that rest because it's stress is stress on your body. It doesn't matter whether it's running stress, work stress, you yeah. know, stress of, of family life. Your and body only sees stress. So. I would be careful making your rest days on days that you're busy at work, right? Because mental stress is not restful. Exactly. So, I mean, we generally take a, a restful day on one of the weekend days. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes, you know, it's Fridays are like our rest, our non-running days. And we, you know, we'll do a shorter, easy something on Saturday or a long something on Saturday and then the opposite on Sunday, short and easy. So sometimes we'll do that. But, um, I mean, in generally how Jeff coaches, how I coach, 
uh, how we plan out is we have a rest day before your long run, a very, very restful day. And after, if you're not doing like a targeted marathon plan, you might also, you might do something very short, very low intensity, very easy, either the day before or after um, that long run. But you know, rest is so important. Yeah, <laughs> it's so important. And when you know, um, all the illnesses are are around too, and it's illness season. When you are sick, um, you've got to make sure you're taking care of yourself. It's so easy. Sorry about that. That was my. I don't um, think it'll even. They haven't been digging on the podcast, thankfully. Uh, That's because my focus has been on for all of it. My do not disturb. I think that just just did it because everything's linked. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So. When you're sick. When you're sick. Yeah. How to recover from that. That's like, actually, we should do that. So, yeah, we should do a whole episode on this. I mean, flu is going around. COVID is back. It's everything. And there's uh, just regular respiratory viruses. Yeah. So... There are times that you can run through things, and then there are times that you need to take time off. If whatever you have has caused fever plus any other symptom, my suggestion, and this is not medically based, this is just trying to be a human that doesn't get sick again, because rebound infections are very common after you've been sick, is wait until, so, you know, schools say, come back when you're 24 hours fever free. My thought is return to physical fitness when you are three days fever-free. And fever-free means six hours from the last time you took medicine, you did not have a fever. And then your 24-hour clock starts. Okay? So if you take medicine at 8 a.m., your fever breaks at some point and then doesn't come back, you're fever-free six hours from the time you took medicine, not from the time the fever broke. Right. So because oftentimes the fever will break within 30 minutes of taking the medication. So Yeah, and still in your system. My thought so. is three days because three days is not going to – like it's not going it's to – It's not going to derail your training. Derail your training. Three days is going to be a lot uh, – it's going to be long enough for your immune system to rebound a little bit from this, whereas 24 hours of feeling better or 48 hours might not be enough. That's 72 hours. It's just like a little – injury that is really painful you give it three days most of the time you're better so three days and then I'm very conservative when it comes back to coming back from illness so take whatever you were doing the week before you got sick divide it by in fours right 25% and do 25% that next week 50% 50% the following week, and then you can come back to 100%. So it's yeah. a two-week return. It does take a little bit of, like, self-control. You should be feeling so great and itching to return to full activity, and you're going to lower your risk of getting a rebound infection of either the same thing coming back or something else hitting you because you've, you've depressed your immune system. Because remember, running and training is an immune depressant. Right. It's it's dropping like it is stress on your body. It is going to drop your immune system. So yeah, it's already providing like a fight or flight res- response in your cortisol body. Levels cortisol levels are raised. Yeah. yeah, and so yeah. If and then you know if it's something that's we've heard before like neck up versus neck down. That's also really important to look at too. Mm-hmm. So if you have something that you had well, in your lungs. Well, that's something with a fever. That is definitely something right. with a fever. Give yourself right. kind of the two-week recovery. Fever's in its own, yeah, bucket. Because and adults, then, adults don't, shouldn't, shouldn't get, get fevers. fevers. Right. It's it's bad if you got a fever. <laughs> right. And then, yeah, chest down. So let's talk about mm-hmm. a ch- like neck down. Right. So if it's just like post-nasal drip, like a lot of times you can still kind of continue your program unless you had a fever. 
My suggestion, actually, we were talking about all this zone two. Mm -hmm. When you're congested in your head, stay in zone two. Yeah. Stay in zone one. Stay in zone two. Yeah. Like that's Don't stress your, yourself more. Right. For one thing. Like if you you're going to keep going, take it. De- take down your intensity yeah. level. Take, take down, down your, time. your endurance. Your mm-hmm. um act. Your length of activity. Yeah. So just bring it down to right. kind of slow and easy, so that or your take, body or, or take, take, take three off. days. Off. Yeah. <laughs> take three days off. But if you might, you might have a cold for a week, and it's like it doesn't mean you have to completely stop. Right. But if you get something that's in your lungs, um, if you're like us and have asthma, you have a reaction already from it, or if you just have yeah this kind of cough in your lungs feeling, then you really do want to guard yourself and be really careful coming back, and even you know spend spend more time kind of slowly coming back yeah. because it will. It can linger. It can make it really hard. You know, your lungs can kind of get, I don't know, not like permanent you, damage. But well, you can, but you can get pneumonia. Can get, like, yeah. So you can get you can get something that's viral, right? So you get a cold. It comes down into your lungs. Right. Once it sits in your lungs, you can grow bacteria and yeah. get something like bacterial um, pneumonia. Pneumonia. Yeah. Pneumonia is generally bacterial in origin. You can get pneumonia, and then that we're talking like once you have that, we're talking about a full month before you can return to activity. Like, yeah, we're talking about like serious stuff. So, this is all kind of to to prevent now. So, yeah, don't it's let it cold fester. and flu season. Chill out <laughs> if you're not feeling well. Like, you know. Punt or get rid of like punt workouts down the line. Yeah, get rid of workouts. Reevaluate your weight, your goal. Just take it easy because we're going to be runners for the rest of our lives. Nothing is so serious that we need to push through now. And like you're talking to two people who have gone on many sick runs when it was the wrong idea, like (laughs) and made things way worse. Like. I mean, I've usually been pretty good about at least calling it and be like, I got to I gotta go home. This is not working but for me. But we've delayed recovery probably um, from but, our illnesses. Oh, I mean, that will sometimes, like, if I go out for a run and I'm really sick, like, it will sometimes, like, set me back two yeah. weeks. Whereas if I had just taken that day off, I might only be out three or four days. Mm-hmm. So... So, yeah, just, I mean, nothing is that serious that you have to, yeah. you know, we're not training for the Olympic trials. We're not, <laughs> you know, going to go set world records here. Um, you know, you should be enjoying it. Also, if you ever go out on a run and you're just not feeling it or you're, you know, people like especially actually it's so funny. This is like super tangential. But I've had two people in my life have like a kind of depressed day where they're like, I don't understand. Nothing is working. Like I'm the worst. Like, and then the next day they were hit with a horrible, like cold flu illness, COVID, whatever it was, different things. And so if your mood all of a sudden feels kind of down and maybe you do try to go for a run to boost it and it doesn't work, like be on the lookout for maybe you're getting sick. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I, I don't know. weirdly, yeah, yeah. It's like kind of weird that that's been happening, but it I could think, be. I mean, I kind of remember that happening with myself though. Sometimes when I'll get illnesses, I'll just have kind of a depressed day. And yeah. Then, Not a good yeah. day. And then like you're actually coming down with something and that's why. Yeah. And it's like, oh, duh. That's why I wasn't feeling good. I wasn't feeling good. But sometimes <laughs> when you're having a depressed day, you should go out for a run. So like that's a yeah. little bit of a, like I want <laughs> I was actually thinking our next episode, we should talk about how. Is running your, is like, is like how running and activity treats mental illness, but how it shouldn't be the only treatment 
if you are struggling for mental yeah. illness. If you're already running and you're still struggling with mental illness, like what other options are there? Like, or if you're struggling with mental illness, how could you start running? Like, you know, what are the barriers? All of those things. I was yeah. thinking about that. That'd be a good episode. As I, I went to the, um, I went to the doctor with my mother-in-law and, you know, she unfortunately um, has some precursors for like stroke risk. She's had, she had a TIA over the weekend and the, you know, we're talking with the doctor about, you know, ways that we can, you know, mitigate her stroke risks. And, you know, one of the things is activity and, and it's like the barriers, what are the barriers to starting an, a program, a running program? I mean, not running, but just a physical fitness program, right. even, and honestly, for mental health benefits, walking is really all you have to do. Like that's the, that's the coolest thing. I don't know about you, actually. During our walk streak, like I felt my, I felt a mood boost. Yeah, I have too. And I know Jeff has some um, stuff out there too. We'll pull yeah. Jeff Galloway, of course. Our um, yeah, you know, he's got some stuff out there about about mood and about how exercise helps your brain and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, so but should, I mean, yeah. I'm surprised at how. The 30 minutes walking, has, right. I mean, because I'm a pretty, like, cheerful person to begin with, and I have just felt better mm-hmm. getting more time outside. Agreed. Yeah. So, no, same. And we haven't done any treadmill during the streak. Not no, not one. Going. No, Yesterday, we were able to get it done before the rain, thank yeah. goodness, because we had, like... And the weekend, we were able to get it done before the rain. Before so. the weather, yeah. yeah. So we'll have to ask our assistant to help yeah. us with our outline <laughs> our for next AI week. Assistant. Yeah, I'll feed it lots of data so that it's like a very good, like multifaceted outline for yeah, us. Yeah, and we should, and we'll try to put our like notes in our actual show notes. But there will be um, a lot of information from the assistant about the first topic, and then everything else we talked about, we'll we'll have to like get in there. Get some links. I wonder if I wonder if the assistant can can listen to podcasts and then add oh, stuff. Probably, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wonder if it can take a transcript. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's a language model, so maybe not. I and, don't know. And then eventually the AI will kill us, as we know. As the creators of AI have worried. The AI will <laughs> kill our descendants. It's It's fine, fine for us. It's just going to be down the road when it realizes, when the machines realize that we are a threat because we can turn them off. So, <laughs> oh, I mean. The benefits and the downsides. <laughs> Sorry. Everyone's using AI, though. No, it's great. I mean, Oh, they are. But I'm saying, like, the people who created it 10 years ago were like, yeah, it probably will eventually learn that we're a threat to it, so it will learn how to, you know, kill us. Yeah, but if you <laughs> watch the movie iRobot, there will be a robot named Sunny that saves us all, so we'll be fine. <laughs> will Smith will save us all. We'll just figure it's out fine. how to, yeah, teach the AI that it needs to. Uh, <laughs> so somebody get Will Smith on the phone and be like, Will Smith. AI is coming. Be ready. Because you're going to, like, save us all, right? Right. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's a funny way to end a podcast episode. (laughs) But we hope you guys have a great day. Enjoy your running. Enjoy your life. Let us know if you have any questions. Um, You can support the podcast uh, by going to rungallowaygirls.com slash shop. There's lots of ways to help us there. Or beautycounter.com slash rungallowaygirls. And... Yeah, (laughs) I guess we should go to work now. (laughs) All right. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye.